Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. On December 27, 2011, Betsy Faria texted her husband, Russ, that she was getting a ride home from her friend Pam in Troy, Missouri. But when Russ arrived home that night, he found Betsy lying lifeless, stabbed 55 times. The investigation immediately focused on Russ, and after troubles in the marriage were revealed, it seemed to be an open and shut case. After a short trial, Russ was convicted and imprisoned for the crime, but questions remained. Was he really guilty of his wife's murder? Welcome back to Not Another True Crime Podcast. I'm Sarah Levine. And I'm Danny Murphy. You know us. We're your partners, Wine Crime Time. We're just in your, we're hanging out every week, which is like our favorite thing to do. Uh, pretty much. Pretty much. Although, Danny, not so much wine for you these I days, know. right? I know. I'm in my cleanse era. So um, if anybody else is entering that phase, like, please DM me and join me because I am now fully obsessed non in a, in a non-sponsored way with Katy Perry's non-alcoholic wine, and it's actually very good. <laughs> I actually do want to try some of that kind of stuff. I've been into mocktails yes. lately, just like, I don't know, if I meet my friend for drinks on a Tuesday, it's like, I don't actually want alcohol no. in my body today. Like, it's not really... It's not worth it. So I'm like, let me just get a mocktail. Yeah, because also it's a thing too, where now it'll be like, oh, I would have two glasses of wine. And I'm like, oh, I'm hungover for three days. And not in like the like mm-hmm. headache, just like you're just so tired and run down. And I'm like, I was like, oh, I'm already like actively pretty annoying. So I can still go out and like piss people <laughs> off without the drinking element. So it really has been fun. So um, if anyone wants to join oh, me, if anyone's it. on their own um, detox journey, let me know. It's a party. Oh my god, absolutely. <laughs> I got some good recommendations, some good bubbly non-alcoholic recommendations. That's good to know. I do want non-alcoholic wine. I think that's a move. Mm-hmm. Um one thing I've seen a lot of is people being like, "Oh, yes, flavored non-hard seltzer." And I'm like, "So seltzer? <laughs> like what?" <laughs> I'm like, "This already exists. Oh, like I don't wait. even That's so true. Why is, well, okay, I'm just going to buy LaCroix like if that's I'm not like, oh, a soft white claw. Like that's yeah. the thing. It's like it's <laughs> Whatever. It's like how they're like making all these streaming networks into TV channels, but like so we're going back to regular uh, TV. We're going back to regular seltzer, but they're trying to be like it's a uh, non-alcoholic white claw when it's like, yeah, that has existed. <laughs> right. It, it that that was how it it came first. So, um <laughs> I don't really need you. Uh, (laughs) Oh, man. Well, today we're going to be talking about a crime that's been in the news again because of a new show on, what is it, NBC? NBC? Yes. They they, they upped their budget to get an Oscar winner to put on prosthetics, and here we are. And like a fat suit, right? Mm -hmm. I'm like, what? I can't believe we're still doing that in 2022. It also seems a lot more expensive. Yes! My question is always, is like, are people this dumb? Like, do you think that that is just like gonna fly? But I guess it always has in the past, so they're just gonna keep it, on doing it. It is flying. Yeah, it is. I will also say, like, with the exception of Charlize uh, Theron as, what's her name? Megan Kelly. Yes. There's no real reason to cast a famous person to then not look anything like themselves. Yes. I know. Like, what is the draw? I will say, but Charlize is good at that, because remember when she was Elizabeth Warnos? She too? is. 
No, she's really yeah. good. I feel like she she sounded like exactly like Megan Kelly. Yeah. I watched that movie for like 15 minutes with my mom and then we both turned to each other like this is honestly like I don't need to watch this. Like this is the re- this is reality. Like this is not fun. That's the thing. Also, it was very poorly done. I just you know, it was like a great cast and like an interesting story in that sense, but like not a, mm-hmm. not worth my not worth anyone's time. Sorry, Charlie. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, love you and young adult. Love you and monster, but not that one. Oh my god! Right. But I mean, so maybe they should have gotten her for this role. But I mean, Honestly. I don't really know. I haven't watched. I it feel yet. like even she would get the script. She'd be like, I'm not gonna cosplay as someone who weighs more than me because I like not having backlash. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) So today we're going to be talking about a murder that's kind of in the news lately because of this new show. It's the murder of Betsy Faria. Just a quick bio on her. This comes mostly from Oxygen. Shouts out to our pals Uh, there. I hope they, (laughs) I hope they, value our friendship as much as we do like we talk about we yeah we think we're very close to them so i hope it's <laughs> reciprocated agree agree so uh betsy met her husband russ while she was working at a gas station and she took that job so she could focus more time on her dj business which was called party starters i already love her so much <laughs> obsessed obsessed i mean as you can imagine betsy was like the life of the party very outgoing to that point, she asked Russ out first, and the first date was at a local casino, which, you know what? Good date idea. You get free drinks. That's also you true. You get to and see if they have a gambling problem on the first date. <laughs> People watching. I mean, there really is good Ooh. levels for that. I feel like that's a good date idea. Yeah. <laughs> Catch me just going to first dates in Atlantic City. <laughs> and if you if the date goes bad, you're like, oh, I'm out of money. I need to leave now. <laughs> right. Exactly. So uh, Russ then started helping Betsy with her DJ business, and he helped her create a computerized playlist, TBT. (laughs) Got an era. So precious. So uh, Betsy and Russ got married in 2000, and they raised the two daughters that Betsy had from a previous relationship. They had a lot of hobbies. They'd regularly go camping, play volleyball, tennis, etc. She just, like, was very outdoorsy, loved being outdoors, can't really relate, but but hey, I respect it. Shout out, though. (laughs) Uh, Betsy was also a member of the Morningstar United Methodist Church in a a town in Missouri called Darden Prairie. And she worked with the youth ministry, but no sketchy vibes here, because I know the last times we've covered like youth related church organizations, it's gone downhill, but nothing, no no bad vibes there. They are not the focal point of this episode. Exactly, exactly. Um, And Betsy, every week she would make meals to take to women at a local shelter. I know. And then after Betsy and Russ got married, Betsy decided to go back to working in insurance, which she'd done previously. And that is where she met a woman by the name of Pam Hub. I don't. Don't trust a Pam. No. I don't know why I said that, but I don't really know anyone named Pam. No, I don't. Genuinely. Oh, I know. I know a Pamela. So maybe trust a Pamela, not a Pam. Yeah. I don't know. Well, they met at State Farm where they both worked. And they worked together for a couple of years. Pam was new, so Betsy trained her. But I, I don't think they seemed to stay, like, super close. Yeah, no. Which is kind of the weirdest part about this. Because in January 2010, they got back in touch because Betsy was diagnosed with breast cancer, which, you know, kind of implies that they were not necessarily, like, thick as thieves, staying in touch all the time. But then... Pam really stepped up as a friend, I guess. She started taking Betsy to all of her treatments. Um, And then in November 2011, Russ and Betsy planned a celebration of life 
cruise because it seemed like Betsy had beaten cancer. But before they could actually go on the cruise, they learned that the cancer was back. And I think it was terminal at yeah, this point. Yeah, because it uh, metastasized in her liver and everything. So it started to spread. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of, they uh, had a not great outlook for her. And mm. then, unfortunately, this discussion takes such an intense turn because leading up to December 27th, 2011, Betsy was staying at her mom's house for a few days. You know, I mean, who knows? I mean, she was going through uh, this treatment very painful with, with her mom. You you want your mom if you're oh. sick. I mean, that's that's the facts. I blow my nose. I life. call my mom. Like, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like an, I have allergies. So the thank God we have unlimited <laughs> data. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Love it. But so then on December 27th, around noon, this is when Ross texted Betsy that he would pick her up from her mom's house. He was planning to go to like a regular game night, everything like that. Like they were just going to. Yeah. With his friends, yeah. they would just do it like pretty regularly. A very normal thing. And then she texted back. Okay, great, honey. But later on, Betsy or Ross got a text from Betsy saying that Pam had offered to bring her back home. So they're, the back and forth of the text is Russ says, she's bringing you? And Betsy said, yes. She offered and I accepted. Didn't get much sleep. Mom snored. Sounds typical. You know, like, yeah, standard text. And yeah, I, don't, I can't sleep when I hear snoring either. So I feel that. Facts. <laughs> but unfortunately, this was not a typical pickup moment. Uh, when Russ got home at around 9.40 p.m., he found Betsy dead. And she was stabbed 55 times. Jesus. She was also stiff and very cold, so that sort of uh, alludes to the fact that he she died well before he got home, and like this, she was just laying there dead for a while or a bit. Um, her wrists were also slashed, and there was still a knife in her neck. So a very gruesome sight for him to walk into, and also a very gruesome way that she was murdered. Well, I said murder. Yeah. Russ called nine one one and told uh, Ditchpatch that he thought it was suicide. This was later used to get some as trial, and I mean, because we'll get into... I, I mean, tri- I'm not gonna... He's not a medical examiner, like, yeah. I don't know. I'm not blaming him, because uh, no. her wrists were slashed. Like, I think a lot of people's brains might go to suicide, even though it's like, well, it's a lot of stab wounds. I know, okay, because I feel like no one is just immediately jumps, and especially when you're in, like, a small, or, like, a, a, a tiny, you know what I mean? No one's jumping to murder, especially when he's like, oh, I was texting her and everything like that, you know? So... Right. It's where his brain went to. I don't know. I mean, we might touch on it a little bit, but you can go on a whole deep dive about the dispatcher and like some, uh, how every how everything this trial touched had scandal. <laughs> oh, I do want to go into that. I didn't even notice. I don't, I don't think I read about that part. Ooh. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so Pam was the last known person to see Betsy alive. But of course, police got tunnel vision into kind of seeing tale as old as time, wife, husband, murder, boom, 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 boom. I know, I know. We say it's always the husband, but listen, it's almost always the husband. Almost There's always. a little asterisk. Yes. Also, I just want to say, like, a lot of this information, I feel like most of it I got from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. It was, like, super, super thorough. They have a timeline. They have, like, multiple write-ups of every single development that happened in this case for the past, like, 10 years. It's kind of nuts. Th- yeah. And I did even subscribe. <laughs> so you can have my dollar, St. Louis Post-Dispatch, until next week when I cancel, but thank you for all your hard work. Thank you. Can we support local journalism? God bless. <laughs> we sure. I Y'all. support it until I don't need it anymore. That, and then I cancel. <laughs> isn't that life? <laughs> yep. 
So initially, Pam told investigators that Russ and Betsy were having problems in the marriage. So police looked to him first and they didn't really look at anyone else. Um, And we'll kind of get into this in a bit. But like there were some reports that their marriage was kind of rocky. It's debatable. So Russ actually was arrested the day after Betsy's funeral. And he even went to the funeral and people were like pissed. Like her family was like, what are you doing here? Like the cops were looking at you. Her family was very full eyes on him being the murderer. Yeah. And so at the time, it was believed that Russ would inherit Betsy's, you guessed it, life insurance policy. But stay tuned on that because that is not the facts. Nope, not at all. And Pam even testified at the trial in November 2013, which helped Russ get convicted. And family and friends testified that the marriage was rocky. Friends of Betsy said he was verbally abusive. And one of Betsy's sisters said that seven years prior to the murder, Russ pushed Betsy and threatened to cut her up. So that's some pretty jarring testimony. But she also said that in the years after that, they started working on their relationship. They went to church more like they just they improved things. So turned it around. And here's also what's interesting, because apparently Russ had a longtime mistress who was pregnant at the time of Betsy's murder. And I think we should arrest him for that. Honestly, like, you know what? (laughs) I think there's like some statistic that a vast majority of men leave their wives when they get ill, like terminally ill. And most wives do not leave their husbands when they get sick. So, wow. I want to say it's like 90%, but I don't want to like necessarily slander the men like that. But it's really, really high. Like a lot, a lot of men leave their wives when they get sick. Sorry, this is depressing news, but. No, but I mean, that's a, that's a real. And also I'm sure. The stats like that being out and aware, people are kind of also looking at him in that type of way with us, too. Because I've 90, like about, yeah. 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 Um, I feel like if you guys get married, don't just do a vow. You got to do a blood oath for the uh, incident <laughs> in health part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're That's like, what I'm doing. I, I, I fully support that. And you're like, you know, you are, you are my night nurse full on in this. Yeah. Like that is the whole fucking gig. <laughs> and it's also so funny, too, because guys, like when guys get a cold, they treat it like this is the end of the world. So. Exactly. <laughs> Just, exactly. No, yeah. I'm like, imagine being on your own fighting a terminal illness. You fuck. God. Anyway, <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine, guys. <laughs> Everything's great. But here's what's like really mind blowing to me is that the trial was only four days long and the jurors only deliberated for four hours. I don't think we've ever covered like a trial that fast. Like, especially one that's like yeah. publicized with a murder. Like, I'm like, wow, it is insane. I know. I feel like our episodes are longer than this jury deliberation. <laughs> deeply, deeply. I'm shocked. I feel like, yeah, they really just didn't. I don't know. Like, yeah, the defense, I mean, clearly didn't have much to work off of. And we'll find out why in a bit. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. So Russ was convicted, sentenced to life plus 30 years in prison. 
But he maintained his innocence the whole time. In 2014, he did an interview with the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, shouts the fuck out, and Fox 2. Uh, he did this interview from prison, questioning why police didn't look harder at Pam, who was the last person to see Betsy alive. And in February 2015, Russ's defense filed an appeal, and the case was sent to a judge to rule on a hearing for a retrial. In June 2015, Russ was granted a retrial, which is very, very yeah. rare, which is good. But I, I just feel like a lot of people think false convictions can't happen. Like, oh, you can just appeal. But I mean, these retrials are super rare, which is making me think about Nan Sayed. And we have their updates. So maybe we'll cover that at the end. But mm-hmm. June 2015, he gets a retrial. So here's the thing. In the first trial, the judge refused to allow any evidence against Pam, which I feel like is part of the reason that he got convicted. Because it's there was kind no of o- like, well, if he didn't do it, who did? Exactly. There was no other, if removing her... There's no other possibility. You know what I mean? Right. Right. But now he was allowed to, and this helped him win the retrial. And this is mostly due to a discovery that just four days before her murder, Betsy switched her life insurance policy to go to, you guessed it, Pam. And it was a $150,000 policy, by the way. That is insane. (laughs) Insane. And none of her family knew anything about this and like why this was never looked into. I mean... We have a guess, but like, whatever, we'll never know. Because <laughs> that's the thing when they're like, oh, we're, we think he did this because he wanted the life insurance policy that he was not even going to get because the person right, who like, was last with him. It? Right? It seems like such an easy thing to check. All, all of it is but so. It's crazy. Yeah. But I guess none of, none of the family knew that she changed it. So you wouldn't think to like tell the police to check. But I mean, still, I think they should have checked. I guess so. <laughs> yeah. So a few twists that went on. The, the one that I was gonna tell you about is that the 911 operator like they said that like russ was like genuinely hysterical during the call so it did not seem like they were like this does not seem like someone who planned this or not someone being like theatrical like someone who genuinely just walked in on the insanity Mm -hmm. but an alleged thing is that the prosecutor uh whose last name was ascii had been in a real relationship with mike lang who was the then captain of investigations for the sheriff's office and one of the investigating officers in Betsy's murder case, as well as a prosecution witness. What? Right? How is this allowed? I know. And two members of the jury in Russ's trial told the media that the information had been withheld. So Hmm. I mean, kind of, kind of insane that they were able to kind of like get away with that. So in like a 20... 21 interview. This happened at the retrial, but then more and more were coming out. And I'm pretty sure both of them were voted out of their uh, respective uh, work environments. Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah, I read that they didn't win re-election, but I didn't know why. I know, right? Yeah, so that is that is the twist. That is a twist. Wow. And so Russ gets out of prison in June 2015 when a relative posts his 500K bond. So like at this point, he was not exonerated, but just not in prison anymore. Uh, The retrial for the murder began in November 2015. The prosecution tried to argue that Russ killed Betsy in a fit of rage. Hmm. And then while they are doing that, the defense started to shift the blame to Pam. Everyone was saying that Russ's slippers had Betsy's blood on them, which was used as evidence against him. But a crime scene investigator, which like, I don't understand why this wasn't, (laughs) we'll never know, I think, why wasn't this talked about the first time? A crime scene investigator testified that the slippers had been dipped in blood, not stepped in it. So basically, they were like planted. Interesting. Evidence. 
or planted there to make it seem like that. Uh, some additional interesting evidence emerged is that a note was recovered supposedly from Betsy written to Pam that she was afraid of Ross. And the note read, hmm. Pam, I really do feel that Ross is going to do something to me. Last night was the worst. Then the letter goes on to describe an incident in which the writer falls asleep on the couch and wakes up to Ross holding a pillow on her face. The writer uh, breaks loose. He said that he wanted me to know what dying feels like. The letter just went on and on. Scary. Yeah. The letter also mentions wanting to secretly change the beneficiary of her life insurance to Pam, which is a convenient letter to just stumble on and find. Convenient. Convenient. (laughs) It also says, give the letter to the police if anything happens. So this magical letter, poof, appears. In the retrial, a computer forensics expert testified that he recovered the letter from Betsy's computer, but could only determine that whoever wrote it used her password. Which, that kind of could be anybody, because I'm sure uh, State Farm, you just got like State Farm 1 exclamation point or something like that. (laughs) Uh, Russ's attorney said whoever wrote the letter did so to frame him, and a defense expert said that the note originated from a different computer. Also, Russ's friends could all vouch for where he was at the time of Betsy's murder. Like we said, they had their game night. This to me is like the biggest thing, where it's like, yeah, I'm sure like whatever, his friends could have lied for him, but... But you know who wouldn't lie for them? Freaking local surveillance footage because <laughs> there was no blood on him. And then footage from a store nearby that he stopped on the way home showed him wearing the same clothes, also with not blood on him. So it's like, right. Where- it's like if you stab someone 55 times, you're going to get some blood. Uh, yes. If your slippers are soaked, like dipped in, like <laughs> yeah. a fucking mat, like what? Yes. Also, a cell phone record showed that Russ was nowhere near the house until much later. And his friends again testified that he was with them. So, like, all of this is fucking com- like people are like, how did this even like none of it is making sense? Our original case, yeah. And I mean, I don't know if to his credit, but Russ's mistress <laughs> did say during the retrial that they only dated in 2010, not 2011, and that she also lied about being pregnant. So you know what, girl? Okay, lady, like what the hell? Do what you gotta do. I get, I don't even know. Like I'm not. Oh gonna, my yeah, god. I, 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 okay. Uh, new defense witnesses testified that Betsy and Russ's marriages was also pretty solid. And a sergeant testified in the retrial that Pam told police she was Betsy's lover. Like, huh? Where, where did this a real plot? Come? This is I feel like Pam is losing the thread and she's just like making. I mean, we know she's making shit up, but yeah, it's like it's kind of crazy. Yeah, it's very Chicago where it's like one, two, like everyone's just like saying. <laughs> I was like, thinking that. Yeah, Pam, what are you sticking to now? And for the first time since truly 2011, she told police that Russ discovered their relationship and threatened to kill her if she came to his house again. Wh- which, wh- where did this mystical, magical motive just appear exactly. from? Not when it was first happening. Exactly. And it kind of also contradicts her original statement that she said that her and Russell got along. Right. So Pam's story just kind of like flipped to the flop to the like nothing. None of it made sense anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, she also wasn't called by either side to testify. For Russ, thankfully, his conviction was overturned. Uh, but the Lincoln County prosecutor still insists that Russ killed Betsy because sometimes you just can't make someone admit that they're wrong. Not to this day, but, but like right after, right after his that, conviction yes. was overturned, I will say. All right. So they, they had a, they had a moment. They had a moment. 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Then this story took another turn. So in February 2016, Betsy's daughter sued Pam, saying that the life insurance money that she got should have gone to them. And it became this whole like legal battle in which a lot of stuff about Pam came out. They ended up losing that battle because the judge said, well, Betsy worked in insurance and if she wanted to leave you money, she knew how to. Oy. And she would have. So then in July 2016, Russell sued the Lincoln County prosecutors and police. And in March 2020, he ended up setting, settling for $2 million, which I'm like, I don't know. Like Steve Avery got like $18 million from Manitowoc County for being in prison for 18 years. I'm like, he should have asked for more money. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. Right. So I feel like he won like a huge judgment like that. But OK, so. Back to August 2016. This is where the story just like goes completely off the rails. And I don't even really understand what's happening or why. So not at all. I'll just say what happened and then we'll try to make sense of it together. So August 2016, a man is killed at Pam's home. That man's name was Louis Gumpenberger. He was he he was um, disabled. He had suffered a brain injury. Pam shot and killed Louis in her driveway and she said he apparently he she was like on the phone with 911 saying that a man was like demanding quote Russ's money and threatening to kill her. So here's what happened. Apparently Pam posed as a Dateline producer and lured Lewis into her car by telling him he would get some money like 900 or like $1000 to reenact a 911 call for an upcoming episode. And it's funny cuz I read the Dateline article on this and they were like BT Dubs we would never do this. Ever. So Dateline would yeah, never so do this. Keep an eye out if you're ever uh thinking of getting an email like this, please do not listen to it. Facts. So instead Pam kind of like called 911 while shooting Lewis. She told the dispatcher that someone was trying to break into her house and kind of tried to stage it to look like a struggle that she had to kill him in like self-defense. The plan was to sort of fake kidnap herself for Russ's money and like basically find just like a pawn, kill them, make it look like self-defense, frame Russ for it somehow. I still don't really understand how that implicates Russ. I was confused about that, too, because I feel like at this point she was just kind of connecting any dot or like saying, putting Russ's name everywhere to just cause such confusion that people would be like, oh, I guess it's still him or like, okay, this is just this is bizarre. I still don't trust him. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm kind of also like, would this man really kill for one hundred and fifty thousand dollars that you got 10 years ago? Like, so apparently the plan was to like find a patsy basically kill them and make it look like self-defense and also frame Russ for it. Really like a 12 step plan of like, like, and also for no reason. It makes no sense to me. If this makes sense to you, or if you can explain the logic behind it, DM us at not know the true crime on Instagram, because like, I just don't, I don't get it at all. I mean, I'm also like, would Russ really kill 
for $150,000 that someone got like 10 years ago. That, you know what I mean? Boy, such a bizarre, right? such a bizarre Like I know plan. money is real, but I feel like if you divide it, it's not like, I to me, that's not worth killing someone money, but you know, hey. No. If someone is like, well, you can get $10,000 a year for 10 years, but there's a high chance of you going to prison for life. I'd be like, eh, keep it. <laughs> no, yeah, truly. I'll, I'll just start picking up side gigs, you know? Oh yeah, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go to the like coin dispenser thing and convert all my pennies into dollars and just go from there. Exactly. That was so fun back in the day. Oh god. My god, right? So also police found a note in Lewis's pocket that appeared to be instructions on how to kidnap Pam in exchange for $10,000. Now, I'm just not really sure if the plan was to kidnap her fake kidnap herself, another fake kidnapping or to just kill the person. I read both. I'm, again, still confused. Again, if anyone, if this is making sense to anybody, please let us know. But maybe also keep it to yourself. I don't know. Yeah, and I feel like if it is, definitely we might have to call the cops if this makes sense <laughs> to you. I'm sorry. Don't take it personal. Yeah. So Lewis also had about $900 in his pocket, and police don't think that he put the cash and the notes in the pockets himself. Then another woman came forward saying she was approached by a woman with a car with like a similar description to Pam's claiming to be a Dateline producer offering her $900 or $1,000 to reenact a 911 call. And this woman initially said yes, but then she got sketchy vibes and she was like, actually, I'm out. So good for her. Because like, no, I don't think a Dateline producer. Yeah. Is just like coming with like cash in your pocket. Like, hey, you want to do this? (laughs) There's, There's steps for that. People go to Juilliard for that. (laughs) They go to Juilliard to to guest spot on Dateline. Hey, you know, it's 11. Right. So a week after Lewis's shooting, Pam was arrested in his death, and she pleaded not guilty in 2017. Prosecutors sought the death penalty, which is very rare for a woman in Missouri. The last uh, woman to be executed in the state was in 1953. So they were really, like, trotting out the death penalty for her. So... In November 2017, her trial was postponed. Um, her attorney said the prosecution hadn't turned over all the evidence from the Faria murder, which prosecutors said provided the motive for the Gumbenberger murder. So it was like all related. And her attorneys were like, well, we don't have all this evidence that you guys are going to talk about. <laughs> so then in August 2018, the trial was postponed again. In December 2018, Pam's lawyers tried to bar mentioning Betsy's murder from her case. And in January 2019, a judge was like, LOL, no, like we'll allow it. So in June 2019, Pam enters an Alford plea for the shooting of Lewis Gumpenberger, which is basically when you don't admit guilt to a crime, but you plead guilty. And so in exchange for the Alford plea, prosecutors dropped the death penalty. She received a life sentence without possibility of parole. Okay. But the updates just keep coming because on July 12th, 2021, Pam was finally charged with first-degree murder and armed criminal action for Betsy Furia's murder. The charges say that she staged the crime scene to frame Russell, which is like, yeah, I mean, yeah, no shit. We get the gist at this point. Like, she dipped the slippers in blood and, and all that. And then on September 13th, 2021, prosecutors dropped one of the criminal action charges against Pam just because of, like, a statutory thing. It, it it wasn't filed within three years of the crime, but I mean, she's still on the hook for first degree murder, and that's really what's important. <laughs> the moral of the story is, girls been busted for a lot of things. Yeah. So it turns out, I mean, this is really, really sinister. Um, Pam basically tracked Betsy's movements on December twenty seventh, twenty eleven, 
to wait until she was really weak and lethargic from the chemo. Mm -hmm. And also she made sure to know that Russ wouldn't be home at this point. So she really like planned and targeted this. The definition of premeditate, like a full on. Yeah. Yeah. And then court documents allege Pam dipped Betsy's socks in her blood and spread it around the house to make it look like Russ killed her in a domestic dispute. And the prosecutor said he'd be seeking the death penalty. Mm. And I mean, that's where we are right now. I, I don't think that the trial has begun yet. No, I don't think it has either because I want to say it was delayed because her uh, lawyer had a heart attack. Oh, my God. Wow. So that is delayed. But you know what was not delayed? The show about all of this. I can't believe it. it ins- and also kind of weird timing that like it because like this, sh- this was announced in 2020 before a lot more of these updates and everything. But like enough of them. So NBC, like we were saying at the beginning, they announced the story of Betsy's murder was going to be turned into a scripted TV show. In July, the Louise guy's mom won a $3 million judgment so that Pam would not make any money off the show or book deals, which I kind of, God bless, because that's always what annoys me about right, a lot like of these should. things where it's like, oh, so now they're getting a payday for their uh, awful crimes they committed. Right, exactly. Yeah. I also, again, I thought that was illegal. Like, I thought, I thought that so there too. was some, yeah. like, case and law that made it so that you can't profit off of this stuff. But you know what? I got to Google that. Money talks and streaming lessons, I guess. Who knows? Yeah. Ugh. So in February 2021, uh, Renee Zellweger was cast as Pam. All before she is charged with Betsy's murder. So, like, she's got some yeah, new... Yeah, this is the crazy part She's got me. some new source okay, material. Okay, yes, here's the thing. The son of Sam Laws, I knew this was a thing. I just Googled it. It prohibits criminals from profiting from writings or shows about their lives. Oh, but courts have frequently struck down these laws on First Amendment Ooh. grounds. Interesting. Okay. All right, there we go. There we go. And um, so, now, of course, a show about such an awful thing, of course, has awful things around it. Uh, number one, uh, Lewis's family is not sharing any profits with, um... He's not getting any Oh, he's not any getting profits. any profits. So who is, like, no one's making money on this but Renee Zellweger. <laughs> like, truly, yeah. that's, the, that's the moral of the story. It's kind of fucked up. I mean, it is yeah. fucked up. And, uh, her family is shockingly not thrilled. Her daughter, Mariah, told Fox 2 now, quote-unquote, I understand them bringing awareness to wrongful convictions, but I think there are so many other ways that they can do it rather than making people's real-life tragedies into a dramatized TV show for entertainment. Right, and I think she took issue with the fact that it sort of has a dark comedy tone. I haven't watched it. I haven't watched it either. Um, so I'll take her word for it. But yeah, I mean, I think it's one thing to do a documentary. It's definitely another thing to sort of dramatize. And I can understand why they are not okay with that. Well, exactly. Yeah. And also because the fact that her name is used on the show and she's not getting paid for it. Literally nobody's getting paid, which I'm like, yeah. this is that is fucked up. You're right. Like Renee Zellweger, they, they blew all their budget on Renee Zellweger and the prosthetics. Can I like, say? That's absurd. Probably fucking late. Yeah. <laughs> and um, the end moral of the story, while Sarah hasn't watched it, I haven't watched it. I don't know if anyone has. I just did not. Uh, yeah. Uh, Betsy's mom did. And she said they got so many things wrong. It's impossible to count. Damn. So there is that. That's the glowing review that it has. Right. I mean, I guess we'll we'll keep an eye on her trial. I mean, yeah, I know. I'm very curious what is going to be going down with all of it. I mean, I'm like, how is she gonna escape this one? Like, it seems pretty rock solid. It, it seems like a game over moment. Yeah. No, it totally does.
But you know what? It's going to be game over for one of us as well. Ooh. Because <laughs> we have Jorge with the game. With the game. We have a game. And today's game is titled, Like a Good Neighbor. Oh. <laughs> Can we get Jake from State Farm to guest on this episode? Oh. <laughs> Yo, yes, please. So... Today's game, since both Pam and Betsy worked at State Farm, I uh, did a little sleuthing and found a bunch of famous neighbors. And these are neighbors from TV shows, movies, real life, true crime cases. This is how it's going to work. I'm going to give you the name of the famous person, and you are going to tell me who their neighbor is. Interesting. Oh. Wait, we have to, is it multiple choice? It's not multiple choice. These are all pretty well known, so I don't uh, okay. think we'll need multiple choices. We'll be the judge choices. of that. <laughs> <laughs> but if you are truly stumped, I can give you a little hint. I can tell you where they come from. I can give you a little bit more information about the neighbor. All right. Or the okay. All right, Sarah, you are first up. Oh wow. Who is Tim the Toolman Taylor's neighbor? Oh, I didn't watch this fucking show. Oh. I didn't watch it. <laughs> mm. Do you know the show? Yeah, it's Home Improvement, right? It is Home Improvement. That yeah, is I just correct. didn't watch it. And a little hint about the neighbor. He wears a funny little hat <laughs> and stares from on top of the fence. I don't know. So I'm going to have to pass. Would you like to guess? Just any random. You can guess any random name. Gonna go with Dennis. <laughs> that is incorrect, Sarah. The correct answer is Wilson W. Wilson. Oh, that does ring a bell. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, Danny. Oh, God. Your turn. Lord. Who is Reginald Winslow's neighbor? What? <laughs> hmm. Mike, who's that? <laughs> That's my first. My first question is what? And my second question is who? <laughs> <laughs> Where, when, and why? <laughs> All right. So this is from a show named Family Matters. Oh. oh. Yeah, I got um, Roy. That is incorrect. <laughs> the correct answer <laughs> is Steve Urkel. Oh, damn. Oh, oh. God damn it. You knew this one. God. Oh, I mixed up Family Matters and All in the Family. Okay, whoops. Okay. Oh. Very different shows. All right, Sarah, I'm hoping that we get a, not a shutout from this entire Let's game. Let's go. I'm ready. <laughs> Here we go. Who is DJ Tanner's neighbor? I didn't watch the show either. <laughs> oh, but like, I know it's Full House. It is. So I'm is guessing correct. she doesn't live in the Full House, but I thought she did. No, she does. So who is their neighbor? Oh, Kimmy, right? That is yeah. correct, Sarah. Yeah. Well done. Kimmy Gibbler on the board. Kimmy. All right, Danny, back to you. Who is Peter Griffin's neighbor? Oh, um, <laughs> oh God, he has a few. Quagmire is one of them. That is correct. Okay, that good. Is, nice. Right, <laughs> giggity, Ooh. giggity. Yeah. <laughs> wow, talk about a show that I never intentionally watch, but when it's on, it is laugh out loud. Right? <laughs> oh so my gosh. It's so good. It's also crazy to me that Seth MacFarlane does 
90% of the voices. Right? Oh, I know, right? <laughs> and also, Crazy. like, right. sings well, too. I know. What a guy. My favorite, I mean, this is a complete side note, but he was supposed to get, I think, on one of the, this is a very dark side note, he was going to get on one of the planes in 9-11, but was too hungover and missed his flight. <sighs> wow. Like wow. I remember, I remember reading, I don't know if it was the Always drink before your flight, people. My flight to the Dominican <laughs> Republic is at 7 in the morning. <laughs> so I'm like, it's rough, it's rough. So I'm like, well... If I don't sleep at all before my flight, I'm used to that, so that's fine. All right, then I'll you can sleep, sleep on a plane, plane, I guess, yeah. Exactly. Is that tomorrow, Sarah? It sure is. Ooh. Wow. Oh, my alarm is set for 3.30 a.m. <laughs> Girl. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. okay. Wow. All right, uh, Sarah, back to you. This is a little bit of a curveball. Hmm. Who is, who was O.J. Simpson's neighbor? Oh, I don't know. Um... I mean, he I don't think it's the Kardashians. In the whole case, no, it wasn't the Kardashians. That's Wait, what did you say? He did play a part in this whole case, hmm. and his name is alliterative. Was it alliterative. Oh, hold on, I'm thinking. That's not it. That's not it. I'm like, who do I know? <laughs> and it's a man. Who do I know? That's a man. <laughs> well, uh, it's a famous person. He became famous. Oh. And he he did have a little bit of presence before, but I would assume he became famous because of the trial. Yeah, I really have no idea. His name was Cato Kalin. Who? Cato Kalin. He was <laughs> nope. the star witness. Oh, no idea. Well, huh. not a big enough of a star witness power, so. Kato. Right, I do all the trivia I do on that crime. I've never once thought to ask or research about the neighbor, so whatever. I'm like, yeah, I don't even know my was, own neighbors. He was present Facts. the night of the of the murder and he gave testimony that he didn't know where O.J. Simpson was oh. on the night of, of the murder between like 9.36 and 11 p.m. on that evening, oh. which mm. is when the prosecution alleged that uh, the crime happened. He received considerable media attention during the trial and one survey found that 74% of Americans could identify him. Well, oh. Sarah, we're, we're not in that. <laughs> we're 70- a minority. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Next up, Danny. Who was Fred Flintstone's neighbor? Um, I know it. Pebbles was the daughter, right? So not Pebbles was the daughter. That is correct. <laughs> um, <laughs> neighbors? Was it like a dinosaur? It was not a dinosaur. Okay. He was a human. Oh, was he like the blonde hair one? That is correct. Blonde-haired one. He wore oh, brown oh, little oh, dress. Yes. No. Um, God, I'm not going to remember the name. He had a New Jersey accent, Danny. So, ah, let me re-listen to that and see if they accurately <laughs> depicted it. A New Jersey accent in the Stone Age. <laughs> right. Danny DeVito. Oh, wait, who played? No, I don't even know. No, I have no clue. His oh. name was Barney Rubble. Barney Rubble. <laughs> The hint hint of bowling, Barney Rubble. Okay. They all liked bowling. (laughs) I guess that was all you could do there. Prehistoric game. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I did picture him exactly. Sarah, your turn. Who was Lucille Bluth's neighbor? Oh, well, Lucille, too. Lucille, too. That is correct. (laughs) Lucille Ostero, who had an on-again, off-again relationship with Buster... I thought you were going to say Lucille Ball, and I was like, that's Ethel. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Danny. 
I feel like you're going to get this one. A little bit of a gimme, but who was Jerry Seinfeld's neighbor? Oh, Kramer. Kramer. Oh, God. And almost Elaine, but then he didn't want her living in the apartment building. That's Hmm. true. Do you know Kramer's first name? Oh, God. No. I think I know it. Oh, uh, yeah, I don't. Do you know it, Sarah? Is it Cosmo? It is Cosmo. Cosmo Kramer, yeah. Yeah. Cosmo Kramer. (laughs) (laughs) That's so random. (laughs) I just know that he's like, I think racist in real life. So that's the twist with. Yeah. 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 Is he? Yeah. He went on this like horrible rant at the Laugh Factory. Mm -hmm. Like so many. It was bad. No, you hate to see it. You do. You truly do. All right, Sierra. There's two questions left and we have a tie game, ladies and gentlemen. So here we go. Sarah, who was Andy's from Toy Story's neighbor? Sid. That is correct. Sid. Famously a terrible, terrible person in Bad Toys Toys. (laughs) Yeah, the worst. All right, Sarah, you have a one-point lead. Danny, down to this last question to see if you can tie the game. Who was Harper Lee's neighbor? The author? Boo Radley? Ah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Harper Lee's neighbor? This was a little hard, but it is someone who is very famous, and it is, I think, a, a big part of both of their sort of... Stories? Um, stories, yeah. Harper Lee's neighbor. Is it another author? Another American novelist. Screenwriter. Mm-hmm. Um, why do I want to be like... Um, Capote. No, I don't even know. Uh, I'll say Truman Capote. I don't know why, but I don't know. That is correct, Andy. Wait, really? Hey! Oh, oh my god! Wow. Let's go. <laughs> How did you get that one? I because I because I, I, I was trying to think like famous authors that are also screenwriters, and there's a lot of them, but none that is as iconic as Harper. Okay, yes. Wow, Danny. Wow, I am <laughs> impressed. I am too, honestly. Good job. <laughs> Good job. Well, we have a tie game, so we're going to need a tiebreaker. This is how the tiebreaker is going to work. I have a list of all Manhattan neighborhoods. (laughs) We're going to take turns naming neighborhoods until one of you cannot name another neighborhood. Oh, fuck. Okay. Oh, okay. That's fun. Nolita. Uh, Murray Hill. Uh, East Village. Soho. Mm. Noho. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Um, Hamilton Heights. Morningside Heights. Inwood. East Harlem. Midtown. Hell's Kitchen. Greenwich Village. West Village. Is that different? Wow, I didn't uh, even know that. It's okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go ooh, with it. Allow it. Okay, okay. Gramercy. Uh, financial District. What else we got? Upper East Side. Upper West Side. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, Kips Bay. Um, Chinatown. Good one. Does Battery Park City count? Yes. Yes, it does. Yeah. Midtown East. Nice. <laughs> um, Times Square. A Lower East Side. Chelsea. Does Hudson Yards count? Yeah, that's that's a neighborhood. Uh-huh. Like if you're visiting, one. don't go there. Oh, you. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean there. it's a good choice. Oh, it's a good um, choice. Yeah. Does Flatiron count? Yeah, that's a neighborhood. Yeah. Yes. yes. All right. Sweet. Harold Square. Mm-hmm. 
All right, we need to pick it up. And if you don't answer within five seconds, you'll lose. Oh, fuck. Okay. Fuck. Okay. Five, four, three, Uh, two. Do we say Harlem? You did. Yeah, it had been said. Sarah, I'm sorry. You have lost the tiebreaker. (laughs) Danny, you are the winner of today's game. Well done. You have gotten a lead, Danny. Oh, shit. In the 2022 True Crime Championship. Don't call it a comeback, but you have completed the comeback. (laughs) (laughs) You You were down, but not out. And now look at you go. I mean, I was gone for a minute, now I'm back with a jump off. Here we are. <laughs> Damn. Uh, I mean, well, Sarah, you have the ultimate winning because you're going to be on a beach all week, so... Um, That's true. Please revel in the I'll have to club. remember that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all angrily sipping my margarita like, damn it, I lost trivia. <laughs> you just shout You just shout in more places. You're like, Lincoln right? Square! <laughs> oh my God, I know. I was just thinking that. I was so annoyed. What did I... I just thought of one. I was like, oh, Stye Town! Or like Alphabet City! Oh. Right afterwards. There's so oh, many. Forget it. Yeah. Whatever. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Well, thank you, Jorge, for this very fun game. <laughs> this fun game. And also geographical. Yes. I know. We're learning a lot. There's way too many yeah. neighborhoods in this city. Like, it's enough. Too fucking many. I mean, it's all um, brokers trying to just make things sound more expensive than they are. Uh, that is so true. <laughs> but um, also, if anybody ends up watching the show, that uh, the NBC one, let us know if it's good or not. I'm curiously expecting it to be bad but let us know in not another true crime group or dm us at not another true crime and you could follow me on instagram at cashmere danny cashmere with k follow me at sarah lameem thanks so much for listening and we'll be back next week not another true crime podcast is produced by jorge morales pico and sean kilby our hosts are sarah levine and danny murphy editing by jorge morales pico Social media by Sarah Levine. Be sure to follow at NATC Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And send us your emails to NATC at Betches.com. Betches.